I'm Anna Basovich, and this is The Schema. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Bruce Roque, Chief Medical Officer of the Cleveland Clinic's Employee Health Plan, about future-proofing through partnerships with payers and technology vendors, and how automation and collaboration are a winning recipe for measurable, sustainable results. Dr. Ogan, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you, Anna. Of course. Before we hop in, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work at the Cleveland Clinic. Sure. Originally, I'm an internal medicine physician by training. I was hired at the clinic about 15 years ago as the chief medical officer for their self-insured employee health plan, which currently has about 120,000 members, including our employees and their families. And in that role as chief medical officer, I'm involved in benefit design and financial and utilization and quality metrics and analysis and pharmaceutical utilization. So I have a team of about 80 people or so that I work with that help me make sure that employees and their families get excellent care, reasonable cost, utilization controlled, and try and keep their premiums down. My second role, because the network for that employee health plan is a narrow network that the clinic developed, a clinically integrated network called the Quality Alliance. It's the narrow network not only for the employee health plan, but for other value-based contracts, including Medicare Advantage and other commercial contracts. So after six or seven years, the clinic invited me to be the chair of that clinically integrated network and start to work with the independent physicians in the community to help the network achieve the same goals that we had already set for the health plan, but in a broader population that included those other value-based contracts. So I do both jobs, and there is a lot of synergy and a lot of overlap. I bet. So let's talk a little bit big picture. We see a lot of collaboration across the healthcare industry, from United Health Group's partnership with Peloton to their deal with Walmart. What do you think drives this, and what does it tell us about the industry? I think it's a good thing. I think that what yeah. it tells us about the industry right now is that people are recognizing that some things are not working as well as they could. Yeah. That the industry is too siloed, too fragmented, that there isn't enough communication between different parts of the healthcare system in the U.S., whether that's payer systems, providers, wellness vendors, other third parties. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of ways that you can sort of get around those problems, one of which is buy everything in sight. <laughs> We've seen a couple of companies take right. that route. Another way is just to start to integrate data, sit down in a joint operating fashion, talk things through, and try not to duplicate efforts because that's the other problem. When these silos occur, and everybody's doing their own thing, you get a lot of duplication of efforts. And that's not good for the population that we're trying to serve. Right, it doesn't get you better outcomes and it costs more at the end of the day. Yes, and it mm -hmm. annoys people when they get three phone calls in the same week about the same issue from three different parts of the healthcare system. It does. So let's dig into the efficiency aspect of that. You know, in these high volume environments, a lot of organizations are leaning more on automation. What role do you see that having in the administration and delivery of care, and is it a good thing? Again, it could be a good thing. It depends if it's used correctly or not. 
it definitely has a role to play. Automation, artificial intelligence, all those different elements of what you can do with data and how you can engage patients without necessarily having face-to-face -face engagement. So we have a lot of healthcare systems. We have a lot of data. We have a lot of different populations that respond in different ways, whether they're elderly, whether they're young. We have a lot of nurses and a lot of doctors, but shortages looming in both those areas, existing shortages and future shortages. If we don't get people to really focus on the work that they can do that requires them mm -hmm. to do face-to-face -face contact with a patient, if they're too busy doing data entry, right. if they're too busy entering stuff into the chart that they don't need to be doing, that something else, maybe a person, but maybe a system could be doing, mm -hmm. that would help with the shortages. And it would help with burnout on both doctors right. and nurses right now because everybody in the healthcare system is essentially spending a lot of time doing things that they might not have to do if we had better systems in place. Well, that makes sense. Everyone wants to work at the top of their license. Yes. I want to dig into the employee health plan. You know, it seems like a lot of healthcare organizations are moving towards those self-insured plans. And I'm wondering what kind of advice you have for groups that are starting to navigate the process and how can they do that and make a positive difference? Yeah, there's advantages, there's some disadvantages, but there's a lot of advantages to moving in that direction. You have more control right. over what you're doing with your employee and family populations. You are less reliant on trusting outside vendors to know what's best mm -hmm. for your particular business, your particular employees, your particular geography. There's some costs involved. Obviously, whenever you're bringing things internal and having to hire people to do work that you used to vend out to a third party. In the end, I think any very large company, it makes sense to do it, whether yeah. you're a Cleveland Clinic or a Boeing or a Walmart or whatever. We also see, again, some of those larger organizations really upscaling their benefits here in order to offer more to their employees. Do you see that as some one-offs at the higher end of the market or a broader trend? I think it's a broader trend because look at the market right now. Yeah. There's so many job openings and not enough people actually wanting to be employed in those types of jobs. So when you say at the higher end, mm -hmm. the higher end might not have that issue, uh, but they're the ones that are pursuing those richer benefits. The lower end is having major issues. And if they were to come up with better benefit design, it was cost efficient, mm -hmm. but a good hook to bring recruitment on board, to bring people on board, right. they might have an easier time employing people. Exactly. And, you know, you talked about one of the foundations of this being the organization's knowledge of their own population. Yes. And when we look at Cleveland Clinic, it's not just in Cleveland anymore. No. So how do you think about the way that the health plan scales when it does get broader geographically? Yeah. So you have to start to build in some differences, actually, because we're in Florida in particular. Florida and Ohio are two very different geographies, very. two very different populations. Mm -hmm. You want to have some similarities because you obviously don't want people wondering, you know, wait a minute, why am I not getting what someone is getting in another state? 
but you also have to be cognizant of the differences and build that into what you do. We're not in a lot of other states in the US besides Ohio and Florida for facilities, but we have employees in 48 states now, right. including places that I would never have expected us to have employees in because with the pandemic and the push towards remote work, we now have people working in little towns of 200 or 300 out west or up north by the Canadian border. Mm -hmm. And their needs are completely different, again, than the folks that are living in a larger city like Cleveland or in the Miami area down in Florida. Absolutely. And the network issues are huge, obviously, as well, because they're in the middle of nowhere and you still need to be able to provide services. It's a big change. Yes. So on that note, social determinants of health are top of mind in healthcare. And in so many settings, we talk about that as being relevant for Medicaid and then at best, not just an afterthought in Medicare. But it would be very naive of us to think that it's not relevant to commercial populations and to our own staff and the folks that deliver the care. How do you think about incorporating SDOH into the employee health plan vision? Well, first, it is across the population. So yes, Medicaid may be more so, Medicare may be next, but commercial members have the same sorts of issues, just maybe not to the same degree. But we see this all the time, even with our own employees, where they may not have transportation on a particular day, they may have issues about where they're living. The fact that they're employed doesn't necessarily mean that they have no social demographic factors that affect their access to healthcare or their ability or knowledge in how to access the system. So first off, it's important to get that data and it's important to use that data. Now, the biggest problem is, is we gather data on this from various sources. First off, people are reluctant to share sometimes because they're embarrassed. So you have to find a way that they can enter the data such that they'll be willing to share what their problems are. Not everybody's comfortable in saying, you know, we're a two working family, yeah. one car family, and one of us doesn't have any way to get somewhere during the day. Well, and especially to your employer. Yes. So you have to find a reasonable, secure way of getting the information so that they feel comfortable sharing it. You need to integrate that with all the other information that you have, clinical data, claims data, to figure out who's at risk. And the hardest part, of course, is once you find out that someone is at a particular risk, what do you do about it? How is it actionable? Because we're not yet at a point where employers or insurers are really offering transportation or food or whatever else the need may be, uh, a ramp that needs to be built in the home, or you need to move your bedroom from the second floor to the first mm -hmm. floor because you can't negotiate stairs anymore. So what do we do about those situations? from the employer point of view and from the, from the payer point of view. These are such real challenges for healthcare organizations managing you know, the full population spectrum. So last question, we've pulled on so many interesting threads here. What's your best advice for organizations that are looking to scale their employee health plans? So there's a lot of organizations that can be thinking about this. They may have already been used to having a large national insurer essentially manage their plan for them, and all they're doing is you know, paying the costs at the end of the day. 
but that may not be the most cost-efficient way of maintaining quality, controlling utilization, and keeping costs under control and premiums under control for their employees. The large national insurers might not always be aligned and have the best interests at heart of the employers, to be honest. Sure. They have to build internally to be successful an infrastructure for doing this, relying on possibly third-party administrators, third-party data vendors, maybe a third-party vendor that can come in and help them hire and build the skill set that they need. And you also need the data. If you don't have a robust data set across clinical and claims data for your employees and their families, wherever they live, you're not going to be successful at yeah. being able to do what you do. Now, we're a healthcare system, so we have a particular advantage here because we have internal healthcare content experts that, mm -hmm. you know, if you're manufacturing widgets in a factory, you're not going to have that. But again, there's resources that you can look to in order to give you the information you need. Well, it's such great advice, Dr. Rogan, and a lot to chew on. Um, thank you for joining us today in such a great discussion. My pleasure. Thank you, Anna. Mm -hmm.